when you start to understand the impact that stress has in your body, how it affects your hormones, how it affects your microbiome, that's what really, when we, and you start to apply techniques to help get those back in good working order and bring this calmness forward to your body, slow your pace and stop beating yourself up. That's what a woman's body needs. Welcome to the Alpha Female Podcast. I'm Robin Pino, formerly known as Baldwin, an essential oil educator, blogger, author, yoga teacher, MS thriver, and newly twin mama. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a show that will inspire you to embrace living like an alpha female. We'll guide you to create more work-life harmony for yourself, discover tips and tricks to achieve your goals and dreams, all while taking the best care of yourself. Now on with the show. This show is brought to you by doTERRA Essential Oils. As an essential oil educator, I partnered with doTERRA in 2016 to diversify my income with them. I was drawn to the oils a few years before when I was diagnosed with MS and gifted an introductory kit with lemon, peppermint, and lavender essential oil. At the time, as I was learning to live with MS, I knew I needed to get better quality and quantity of sleep. So I started using lavender in my Epsom salt baths every night to signal to my body that it was time to go to sleep and the rest is history. I educated myself on the potency, purity, testing, and sourcing practices and discovered the company's heart of gold. So I'd like to do the same for you. I send out samples to anyone who has not yet tried doTERRA oils and you don't yet have a shopping account with them. So find me on Instagram. My new Instagram handle is at Robin Pino, and that's P-I-N-E-A-U-L-T. Send me a DM saying I'd love to try some oils and then let me know one health pain point you're trying to solve. Send me your shipping address from there and then I'll pop a care package in the mail for you. Welcome to the show, Karen. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. I am so excited to have you on the show. Um, when I sent out an email to my email list, you responded back. I'm like, oh, of course. Why have I not asked her to come on the podcast yet? I was secretly waiting for you to ask me that question for quite a while. <laughs> uh, most of my friends are just like, are you going to have me on the show yet? I'm like, oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> um Okay, so background for the listeners, Karen and I met at a networking group in Ottawa. And I remember going up to her and I was like, I like your energy. Want to be friends? Um, I said, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Cool. So uh, what do you think of the definition of an alpha female as it pertains to like all of these years now of this podcast? Um, I sent you over the definition before, but yeah. What do you think of it? And how are you an alpha female? Well, you know what, when I was reading through the definition, it's one of those things that you're reading and you just feel yourself filling up. Um, It is truthfully one of the most beautiful things I've ever read to define women. Um, And I feel honored to be in that category. And I don't take that responsibility lightly. Truthfully, my whole mission is to help empower women. So to be able to be recognized as part of the alpha female community to be able to have platforms to help women find their own and live the life that they are meant to is one of the most empowering things. So the definition just wraps it up so beautifully um, with a tight little bow on it. And so, you know, I've never considered myself to be an alpha female at all. I certainly growing up was the exact opposite of what this definition outlines, you know, being shy, being timid, being very complacent. 
And so to be considered an alpha female now, it's something that I've strived for and really organically just kind of evolved into through different life choices and a few different aha moments along the way where I had to recognize that I was not happy. And I also had to recognize that I was in control of that. And so really allowing myself to step forward into this role. Do you have any like specific moments where you can say like, oh, this is where I became way more confident or this is where I became, um, you know, really, really in charge of my health. Um, and if you do, can you share a few of them? Well, you know what? I think I, I, I definitely have, there's three really strong moments that stand out to me as those pivotal moments in my life where I recognize that I can take get back control of my life. And the first one I can kind of come back to is I lost my mom when I was young and, you know, in my early 20s. And I remember on I was going on a road trip with my sister and everything felt really hard and really heavy at that state in my life. And I had just recently gone for a job interview because I wanted something more for my life. And I was, I didn't get the job. And so I was feeling really down. And I remember that car ride for some reason, my mom coming to surface and just sort of realizing that she would want something more from me, um, that I was capable of more. And in that moment, I realized that I'm in control of this and I get to choose the life that I want. And maybe it was her influence, maybe it was that road trip, but that was a moment. And I remember it very, very specifically. And when I came back, I left the current job that I was at because the, the one I had applied for was a promotion within that same company and I didn't get it. So I came back and I was done. I said, nope, you guys aren't going to determine my fate. I'm going to determine it. And I left and I started creating a different path for myself. And so it was a very pivotal moment. Um, and that was the start that I can remember. So we read in your bio that you've got, you know, all of these kind of certifications um, after your name from nutritionist to nutrition, like culinary nutrition expert, personal trainer, yoga instructor, fascial stress therapist, like it's a lot. So when you decided to leave the corporate workplace, what made you like, was it a series of events? Like, let me try this and then let me try this. Or uh, were you like, I just, I need to be in the health and fitness industry. Well, my corporate world was in the health and fitness industry. Um, interestingly enough, I worked for a multi-million dollar company. I was running these big corporate gyms where I had a team of 25 people underneath me. And I think even though the, the funny thing is, even though it was in the health and fitness industry, I, I felt like a walking contradiction. It wasn't true to me. And even though I was in this industry that I was helping so many other people get their health and their fitness under control, mine was going down the tubes. And in that corporate box that I was working in, I learned a lot. And from that perspective, I'm very grateful for the experience. I was with the company for 10 years. However, the higher up I climbed on that ladder, the further and further away I came from myself. And I remember a moment where I was at a corporate event. Um, we were at a conference for a weekend. And the whole entire weekend, it was raining, but I wore sunglasses because my eyes were filled with tears almost the entire time. I hated that period in life. I hated my position. I hated who I was becoming being in that position. It was really starting to alter my personality, my ethics. 
Um, and it really didn't feel good in any ounce of my being. So that was another one of those defining moments that weekend um, to feel that much level of pain, even though from an outsider's perspective, it was probably all great. My team was doing great. You know, I was hitting my targets. My bank account looked great, but I felt really horrible. Was it um, like, were you forsaken taking care of yourself or did you just not feel like you were authentically doing what you were meant to do in this world? Well, a little bit of both. You know, fitness for me has always been a part of my life. But during those times when you feel so disconnected from your true being, I felt like I was still just going through the motions. You know, so I was kind of sort of taking care of myself, but not at the capacity and not at the authenticity that I knew I needed because I was putting in way more hours or I would cut my workout short to, you know, help one of my team members or, you know, giving up my downtime on a weekend so I could hit my targets. So I was, it was like one foot in the door, one foot out always, only a half effort. And so obviously when you're only putting half effort, you're only getting half results. And the, the, Every, the more I moved forward on that path of only putting in half effort, it's like I felt worse and worse and worse because then the guilt started to come out of it too, right? Like I should mm-hmm. be doing this more for myself. So mm-hmm. it was just piling up over and over and over um, in that period of my life. Mm. I wonder if it's, um, I, this just pops into my head because I've been listening to a lot of podcasts around human design. Do you know what yours is? No. I bet you a million bucks you're a generator like me and we'll, we'll look this up later. Um, but generators, like if you give us tasks, we'll like keep doing it. We'll just keep doing it. Um, and we were talking on the weekend about how you have a project and you're like, I just want to do all this. Like I just get so lost in it and like generators love to work. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I've seen this, especially early on in my career, you know, I'm given a role and given a task and, I didn't know how to set boundaries. I thought, you know, I had to stay in the office. My very first job in advertising, I thought I had to stay in the office till 1 a.m. because that's when my boss stayed in the office. And um, it wasn't until she lost a child and wasn't there for it that I realized that I was like, I can't, I can't do this. Like this, this can't be my life. I can't, I, can't, I don't want to grow up to be this person. Um, and but I thought I had to do it. So it's like all of these different mm-hmm. things, you know, were ingrained into me that I thought I had to show up. I, ha- I had to do all of these things. And I wonder, especially in the past year and almost a half, now that people are working from home and you'll have to share, you know, how you set boundaries working from home. If people have like gone back into certain corporate ways of working where it's like, I'm like, I'm just going to put in more hours because I don't have a commute. So I'm just going to like take that commute and I'm going to work more, get more done, make sure that I show my value and my worth for the company so that I'm not at risk of being let go. So there's just all these things coming to mind of like how, how we don't know how to set boundaries because we love to work and we, we think we need to. Mm-hmm. Um, so rolling that into my question is, um, you know, you're, you're running, um, different online businesses as well as an in-person flash on pause because of lockdown, but um, you do have both. So uh, what does work-life harmony look like for you? Let's say normally, like 
go back to 2019. <laughs> oh, the good old days. <laughs> um, you know, for me, 2019, 2020, 2021, there's not a big difference in terms of the capacity of work that I'm putting out. If anything, it's actually more, but it's more fulfilling. Mm -hmm. um, because I started working online fully and I really, really enjoy it because I'm able to connect with and make an impact with more people globally, not just in my community. Mm -hmm. But work-life harmony, you know, I don't actually believe in balance. Right. Um, I actually think that, yeah, balance yeah, that's is, because balance is the dirty word on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and this is something that I teach a lot of my clients too. And the way I talk about it is balance. If you're striving for balance, you're e like absolutely always going to be disappointed because there's no way that you're going to have an equal amount of work and an equal amount of home life. That's impossible. So for people to be consistently striving for work-life balance, it's non-existent and they're going to be disappointed always. So I use the word flow. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, I, I refer to it like a river. Sometimes it's rushing and it's fast and it's full and sometimes it's just trickling by. I recognize in the work that I do, there's different times, like if I'm gearing up for a launch, it's ramping right up, but then it's followed by the trickling river. So I kind of try to veer it more towards a flow. And as long as I can see that, you know, after the periods where it's ramping up, I do have some downtime and I schedule that downtime so that mm -hmm. I have that fluidity and I can maintain my energy to be able to continue being creative and give a good service, finding that flow. Mm -hmm. So uh, just to touch back on, you know, the time when you were working in the health and fitness industry, but it wasn't fulfilling. So you now help busy and bloated women improve their digestion. Did you notice, uh, like most people come into their work because they've healed it for themselves. So did you notice at that time that that is what was manifesting in your body? Absolutely. Um, I was that busy and bloated woman, like to a T and not even clued in enough to my body at all. And so at the time working in, you know, big corporate gyms, you're surrounded. And I'm going to use the term muscle heads because that's what it was, you know, and everybody's talking about high protein, low carb, push harder, you know, put in more. And it's a very male dominated industry. And you're just basically trying to keep up with another species that is not a female's body. And so a lot of the information that was coming towards me and a lot of the information in the industry is geared towards a man's body. Right. And so it wasn't until I stepped away from that completely and started to introduce myself to a different way of doing things. And that's when I went back to nutrition school and I studied holistic nutrition. And when you're studying holistic nutrition, it is so eye opening on so many different levels. And that's when I really started to learn about the effects of stress on the body. And that's when I pieced it all together. In the moment, I had no idea. In the moment, I just was basically telling myself I'm fat and I have to work out more, right, and eat less. Um, when in, in reality, that's not the case at all. Um, that's not what our bodies need. Um, when you start to understand the impact that stress has in your body, how it affects your hormones, how it affects your microbiome, that's what really, when we and you start to apply techniques to help get those back in good working order and bring this calmness forward to your body, slow your pace, and stop beating yourself up. That's what a woman's body needs. 
you know, and so that's what I bring forward. So I'm looking at from, um, you know, a, a bird's eye perspective now, because in the time I didn't see it, but going through the process, now I can connect all the dots and that's what I share with my clients. Mm. I was going to ask you, what are you most passionate about? But that kind of just came out. <laughs> um, so maybe tell us a little bit about why you created the chaos to calm method. Well, I created it because I recognize that I'm not the only one who is feeling that way. You know, I do like to surround myself with more alpha type females um, <laughs> and it is so enriching. But a lot of us are that type A personality where we'll push right to the very end. And within that, not recognizing the impact that that has on our body from a stress perspective. It may be one thing to be able to cross off everything on your to-do list, hit your targets, you know, even get in all your workouts and eat the salad or whatever. But there's still a physiological response that happens to your body. And I think this is a big disconnect for a lot of women, especially those type A's that are continuously putting forth efforts to improve their health, lose weight, but they're doing it in a way that's actually causing more stress on their body. So I know when I was in that pocket, I would have given absolutely anything to just lean on someone and have someone tell me what to do. Have someone tell me, why is my body responding this way? And now I get to be that person for other women. Um, so they no longer have to feel like they're fighting a never-ending battle, and they no longer have to feel alone in this fight. So helping to bring some ease forward into their lifestyle without overwhelming them even further, because I don't want to add more to their plate, but actually teaching them that sometimes we just need to take a step back and slow down. And that's how our bodies respond positively um, without constantly stressing. So when you're in the middle of a launch, well, let, let's say when you launch the, the method or when you're launching a new program within it, um, how do you take a step back from the chaos that is potentially coming and how do you create calm in your life? Well, I have what I call my non-negotiables. And, you know, I embed these things into my life on a daily basis because they're grounding and they're simple and they fit my lifestyle. So some of my non-negotiables, I describe it to people that I want for people to can look at their life and think about three to five things that they can do every single day that brings them a level of peace or comfort or joy. Um, and if it's all three, that's a super bonus. <laughs> but, and, and I want for them to embrace it so much that it's like brushing your teeth, right? You're just going to get up and you're going to do it. Um, that way, nothing, no matter what life throws at you, you're still going to do it. So for example, if, you know, the power goes out and you have a work project, you're still going to brush your teeth. If you get a phone call that, you know, someone is sick and you have to go to the hospital, you're probably still going to brush your teeth, right? <laughs> because it's embedded in and you've created this habit. So for me, some of my non-negotiables are I have to be outside no less than an hour a day. Um, that's a guarantee. I have to move my body no less than 30 minutes a day. I have to drink my water. I'm very first thing in the morning. And this was really hard for me because I love coffee. Um, so I had to make my non-negotiables is having a full glass of water with lemon before my coffee first thing in the morning. And I have to eat vegetables with every meal, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, no matter what, because I recognize when I don't keep that part of a focus, something else takes its place. It's not like I'm going to eat nothing. And usually that something else is something more carbohydrate-based, more refined-based because it's easy and it's fast. 
So I create these little rules for myself that no matter what, there's going to be some vegetables somewhere. Um, and I have some security that I'm treating myself well. And then my last one is I go to bed at 10 o'clock. 10.01, I get a little panicky. Um, so I have to go to bed at 10 o'clock no matter what. Um, so my five non-negotiables. So that way, these are things I do every single day. And no matter what life throws at me, these mm. things are going to happen. So that's my bare minimum standard to take care of myself, um, to help keep me grounded and balanced. Mm. I knew two of them because you're so good at sharing those on Instagram. So like you're always either outside for a walk with the pup or doing yoga outside, um, or, you know, uh, yoga inside. So like I knew movement and outside were two of them. So it's great to hear the other ones. The, the water one's so key. I think, you know, we've talked about it so many times on the podcast that like it's such a simple, healthy habit is getting that water with lemon in in the morning. Um, and for me, it's like a little escape right now because I the babes wake up around six and I bring them down to what we call baby jail, which is just a really big player. <laughs> and I like, they're good on their own for like short amount of time. So first thing in the morning, they're great. And they play independently together. And I like hide in the kitchen and I drink my celery juice. And then I drink my warm water with lemon and a drop of ginger essential oil right now is my thing. And then, and then I make my, my, my cup of decaf coffee. Um, and that's like my little, my little escape. I like hide in the kitchen so they can't see me drink my liquids, <laughs> run to the washroom. Cause I've just consumed like <laughs> a, bucket. Uh, like 30, a bucket of, uh, I've like, it's like a 16, 16 and then like a cup of coffee. So yeah, it's a lot. And I'm like running to the bathroom. I'm like, I really hope they're still okay on their own, but yeah, it's, those are just like, yeah, the non-negotiables that you just do out of habit. And mm-hmm. something that I don't think we've really talked about in the podcast is habit stacking. And I think that's so important as people decide to tackle new things. So for me, celery juice is brand new because I'm supporting my liver right now. And it was so easy to say, like, um, you sometimes forget to drink it so if you drink it before your lemon water you know you won't because you know your lemon water is every single day so you drink the celery juice first um, and then you're good and I think that's really really key when people are trying to tackle new habits because even to this day you know like I had to restart all of my healthy habits when I moved to Port Alberni and then as I'm coming back to Ottawa I'm gonna have to restart them all because a lot of mine are based on like visual cues um, or the environment that I'm in. So it's almost like starting all over again and being like, okay, what baby steps am I going to, am I going to do this week? Um, but I think that's important to, to approach it with baby steps too, right? Instead yeah. of a lot of people get kind of thrown off by doing the all or nothing style and that mm-hmm. never works. It always backfires. Yeah. And especially maybe like, maybe you've had like a really great routine. So I'll use me again as an example. I've had a really great routine. And now as I'm um, in motherhood, I have to figure out my new routine. So like, I can't do what I used to do. My, you know, my lifestyle is changing. And so instead of being hard on myself and saying like, here's the list of all the things I used to do, how am I going to shove them into my new life? It's how, you know, how do I structure a new daily schedule that serves, serves me well? Um, without being hard on myself to try to fit everything in. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you mentioned that you nourish yourself with vegetables at every single meal. So if I said, how do you nourish yourself? How would you describe that to our listeners? Well, I do follow up like a whole foods-based diet. I, I really try to stay away from processed foods as much as possible. I'm still human. It's not like I'm a saint <laughs> and I only eat kale salads and lemon water 24-7. Yeah. But to the best of my ability, you know, I want to be in control of the foods that I put in my mouth. I don't believe that we can rely on convenience options or drive-throughs to support our health. Their, their goal, number one goal is profit. So even if it does have, you know, a, a heart smart check mark or a blue label, and I'm claiming that it is good for us, you know, I don't buy into those. Um, and I like to cook. You know, I do feel that by cooking and giving yourself time in the kitchen is an opportunity to recreate your relationship with food. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of women, you know, they see food as the enemy. Food is the thing that's going to make us fat. Food is the thing that if we overdo it, we're going to have guilt and shame. Um, instead, you know, seeing food for the beautiful, nourishing thing that it is, you know, and when you make something that tastes really good from mm -hmm. real ingredients, there's a level of pride behind that. I love sharing my cooking with people. So the next time we can get together for a meal, be prepared to be wowed for sure. I can't <laughs> wait. Um, but there's also a level of confidence that comes when you're eating something that you know is just of wholesome ingredients. You can have security knowing your body is going to respond very good to that. And what I found over the years is the more I did that, the, the less and less of that negative self-talk existed in my head when it came to food and dieting and body image. All of that eliminated when I started taking back control in the kitchen and redefining my relationship with food and embracing the process in a way that's not overwhelming. Nothing is like you know, 15 ingredients and four hours to make, that's not realistic, especially because I work with busy women um, and I'm one of them. But figuring out a way that it fits our lifestyle so that our bodies respond really well. What I also love about you, and I discovered this when I assisted you in one of your um, culinary nutrition workshops that you used to host at your house. And I think you're doing them virtually now. Um, yeah. But you, so you don't like processed sugar um but you still love to treat yourself so i love that you have you know done a really great focus on um you know taking recipes and making them i don't know what's the way like i just call them healthier versions um because they're still not technically like they still have quote unquote sugar in them so if someone is yeah. you know trying to decrease their sugar then you know you can't you can't live on just your nanaimo bar recipe 24 no, seven. although we would <laughs> like to. But the difference with having a dessert like that, um, yes, it still has sugar in it. We use typically raw honey or dates or maple syrup are my main sweeteners that I'll go to or coconut palm sugar. Those are typically the, the few that I'll use to recreate a lot of our favorite desserts. And the mm -hmm. big difference about having a dessert like that, because it's mixed also with some really healthy fats, some coconut oil, some raw nuts and seeds, you're not going to have that massive sugar spike. You're going to mm. get all the flavor and all the enjoyment in that moment when you're enjoying one of those Nanamo bars, but mm -hmm. you're not going to have that spike followed by that crash and that whole hormonal roller coaster that typically follow that triggers cravings after the fact. Um, mm. It's a way to be able to enjoy dessert 
um, for exactly what they're meant to be. It really is a treat and it is very decadent, but there's no need to have these treats that are going to create a cyclical effect that is going to spin you out of control. Mm, fun fact, I've made them several times for different events and I made them once for a family holiday party and no one touched them because they know I'm really healthy and no one wanted to eat healthy. So I had an entire batch of Nanaimo bars to myself afterwards. Same thing. I made them for a work event and I told everybody that they were healthier versions of Nanaimo bars. So nobody touched them. So I kept them in the freezer and I literally had one for breakfast every single day after the party. And someone got, I think someone got hungry one day and went and took one and they were like, these are like, these aren't healthy. These, like, these taste like normal Nanaimo bars. I'm like, I know, but I've been giving them to myself. So, yeah. like, that's my, that's my way of, like, not actually giving them out is telling people that they're super healthy and then they don't want to eat them. <laughs> Isn't that so ironic, though, right? I, this is always very fascinating to me, that people turn their noses away from something that is healthy, but they ask zero questions when something is put in front of them that is clearly very unhealthy. Yeah. <laughs> it's, such a, it's so backwards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So you've talked about moving your body 30 minutes a day. What's your go-to work? I mentioned yoga. So like outside of yoga, what's your go-to movement routine? Well, you know, my workout routines now are very much less structured than they were in the past. And I really appreciate that. So I really try to listen to my body a lot. Um, and sometimes that is very different on a day-to-day basis, according to the sleep, according to stress, according to my cycle. And I think it's really important, especially for women, to listen to that. I don't feel like it serves us very well to be really strict on high-intensity exercise programs if your body is telling you it needs a day of rest. Mm. So I listen to it. And that has been such a big learning curve for me over the years to tune in and listen to that and give myself a little bit of forgiveness if I'm not lifting heavy five days a week, you know, and that was what I was doing five, six days a week of heavy strength training. So now it is a lot more fluid. I typically do strength training two to three days a week. Um, I'll typically do yoga about two to three days a week and then either hiking or biking or running um, and just being outdoors. It's a way more relaxed approach to Mm -hmm. keeping my body strong and fit versus striving for something that just didn't feel good and forcing Mm -hmm. myself to do it. That's awesome. Um, All right. So let's say you have just been like at it all day. You are, you all of a sudden you realize that it's like 8 p.m. and you're still on your computer and you forgot to set a good work uh, life boundary. Um, how would you go about reducing any built up stress that may be showing its face? Get outside. <laughs> um, it's my go to. And, you know, there's a forest right behind my house. And if I can just get out and go for a quick 20 minutes to decompress. It's so healthy for our being on every level, from mental to physical to a cellular level and a spiritual level. It's necessary for us to have these opportunities to decompress. So if that were the situation, it's 8 o'clock and I'm on my computer, which 
isn't that unusual. Um, yeah. I close okay, it down. I gave you that um, example. <laughs> yeah, um, I close it down and I have to get outside. I have to move my body. I have to feel fresh air on my face, breathe it into my lungs, um, and just allow my body to shift gears and start to tap into my parasympathetic nervous system versus being heightened in your sympathetic 24-7. Mm, that's awesome. All right. What piece of advice would you give your 20-something uh, pre-alpha female self? Um, you are loved. Um, you know, 20 is a very scary age. Well, it was for me anyway. Mm -hmm. It felt like a very lonely age. Um, and when you're filled with insecurities and lack of support or direction, um, it's really easy to feel lost. Um, and so I think knowing that there was love for me in this world would bring me a bit of comfort and also that you are capable. You are fully capable to do what you want to do. You know, I had to carve that path out for myself because there wasn't that level of support around me growing up um, or direction. And I felt like nothing was possible. You know, I was destined for a life of misery, truthfully, and it might sound dramatic, but that's the reality of it. So if I was, if I could go back and tell her that she is loved, that she is capable, that she is able to create a life for herself way beyond her wildest dreams, you know, mm -hmm. that would have like blown my mind. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I probably would still be doing exactly what I'm doing now. I just would have started sooner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so true. Like if I go back to 20, it's, you know, you're just coming out of your teen years, you may be coming out of secondary, post-secondary school, and you're like, oh, crap, like, am I considered an adult now? Like, I've got to start taking care of myself. What am I, am I, what am I supposed to do in this world? What sort of mark am I supposed to have? Um, there's a lot of conversations going around and around, like leaving a legacy. If I heard that at 20, I'd be like, what the hell is a legacy? And how do <laughs> yeah, I no start doubt. building it at 20? Um, so I love that piece of advice about like you are capable, um, uh, and you can do whatever you want, because I think here is where, um, you're building confidence or you're, you're getting shot down and you're, you're, you're experiencing lack of confidence. So being able mm -hmm. to wrap someone up in so much love and confidence, and just be like, you know, like you've got it. Um, there's no, there's no reason why you don't have it. Um, mm -hmm. so that's great. All right. Um, I haven't asked this of my guests in a while, but let's get into it because I think we can learn so much from each other. So what are some pain points of being an alpha female that you're problem solving for right now? Like that I experienced being an alpha female, you mean? Yeah. So whether it's how you're perceived in the world, communication, um, yeah. health pain think, points that you're working on. I think I think it can be lonely at times. You know, um, especially when you're walking a path that is not common, you know, not everybody understands the route, the path that I've taken in terms of entrepreneurship. Um, I also don't have kids. So that is unusual for a woman in her early 40s to not have kids. And mm -hmm. so, you know, that can feel lonely. Mm -hmm. um, and so finding people who are like minded, we're rare. Um, and I think that's why <laughs> you and I connect. So, well, I love the fact that you are a go-getter um, mm -hmm. and that company is very inspiring, but it also can be rare. 
So to find people who are on a, a similar path or a similar mindset, or at least can appreciate um, this path, uh, I think is challenging at times. And so it mm-hmm. can feel a little bit lonely to find your community. Um, and there, there can be a level of judgment with that. You mm-hmm. know, I've, I've, at times I've really downplayed levels of success that I've experienced in my life because of judgment. Mm-hmm. And because I was outcasted based on succeeding. And that didn't feel well at all, you know. So I've had to kind of simmer down. And over the years, I've stopped doing that. Um, and, you know, I'm proud of the things that I've accomplished. And I want to continue to encourage other women to just go for it. Mm-hmm. I can't do that if I'm downplaying any level of success that I've had. Mm-hmm. You know, but within that, judgment comes. And it's often from people who don't feel capable in their own life to be able to do things. Um, And either they embrace the message and step forward or they place judgment and step back. And that's kind of what I've recognized through it is that that judgment is not necessarily a reflection of me. It's often a reflection of them and it can't simmer what I feel good about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like if we took, the first part of that outside of pandemic world, um, you know, this entire talk series is around corporate women who have moved into the online entrepreneurial world. And, and you hear that all, like all the time is becoming an entrepreneur can be extremely lonely. Um, you're potentially working from home. Um, some people before, before lockdown life uh, may have chosen to work in like co-working spaces just simply so that they could uh, get that socialization. I've heard that countless of times. Uh, but now in today's world that we're living in and for um, a little bit of background to our listeners, we're both in Ontario, which is experiencing the strictest lockdown probably around the world. I think they're um, like they're like saying it. that now. Um I'm like, obviously, we've never lived in China or Italy, so we don't know what their lockdowns were like, but it must be amplified. Um, and I just moved back from Port Alberni to Ottawa because I was lonely and I couldn't do that anymore. Like, and all of my friends are back here and I need that. And, you know, we put our heads down and we work on our projects because we absolutely love what we do, whether it's you know, for me, teaching about essential oils or making sure the podcast is getting out every single week for you, it's creating, you know, this new online business and the chaos to calm method. But then you like kind of like lift, it's almost like you have a towel over your head and you like lift the towel off every now and again. And you're like, oh yeah, I should go socialize and actually like <laughs> yeah. fill, fill up my cup. <laughs> so um, that's, yeah, I think that's so important, especially today and whether or not you feel comfortable socializing with your your people or making sure you're booking those FaceTime calls or Zoom meetings. Uh, I think that that's so important. And I'm seeing right now uh, a lot online. There's there's something going around where people are like, uh, it's, it's not just you, where it's like, we have Zoom fatigue. You're not texting people back because, you know, you don't know what to say. Maybe there's no new information. You know, it's, you're experiencing, it's almost like we're all in the same Groundhog Day mm-hmm. over and over again. So I think it's so important to still 
reach out and figure out, like figure out a fun topic that you haven't talked about and that you're not experiencing fatigue on and maybe have a rule. Like you're not going to talk about the pandemic. You're not going to talk about um, anything that's going on in mainstream media. You're just going to simply have a conversation about your latest quinoa recipe. Like, <laughs> well, I don't know how exciting that would be for people, but you know, I think it's also our responsibility to create opportunities, not only for connection, but also excitement in, in these times and always, you know, um, I, the pandemic certainly is really challenging for a lot of people. And I go through different waves where it feels really heavy and other waves where it's like, it's okay. I'm doing okay. Like things are fine. Um, and really trying to get creative about different ways to connect with people whether that be through Zoom or, you know, there was one time that my sister and I were on a Zoom call and I don't know how this happened, but all of a sudden we were both in wigs um, having cocktails and we had a great <laughs> night hanging out. So being creative about it um, and really just trying to make the most of the situation that we're in because we can't change it right now. And yeah. connection still is very important. And this is something that I talk about a lot with my clients. And I'm so grateful, truthfully, that we have Zoom and we have opportunities to connect and see people's faces. I can't imagine going through this without technology, but still reaching forward to have those times, even though, even though we're all Zoom fatigued. And I totally get that. But you're going to feel a higher level of fatigue and disengagement if you don't see your friend or your family's face, even if it is through a screen. So even when we're tired, still making it a point to reach forward for connection. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even if it's just a 10 minute phone call, like you don't have to have a 30 minute to an hour phone call anymore. Like you just need even just a 10 minute check in. I think that's so important. I have a friend in Toronto and she's a mom of two. And sometimes our phone calls are literally like five minutes. It's just like, just checking yep. in. How you doing? You're good. You're good. Okay. And our children are screaming, bye. I love you. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know what? Even that, like a phone call, like let's kick it old school and pick yeah. up the phone and call people <laughs> and hear a voice, you know, maybe we yeah. don't always have to be on Zoom or texting um, a good old fashioned phone call. Yeah. I've never FaceTimed so much in my life than since the pandemic hit and I absolutely love it. Like I can't believe I didn't think um, about FaceTiming people more. Um, you know, it's kind well, of like, you know what? <laughs> I love it, but I feel like there should be a disclaimer in here. Like there should be some sort of warning. People are FaceTiming randomly. Like I'm not prepared to be on a screen all the time. <laughs> I need a little warning. Let me put on some powder, a little glass, something. <laughs> You can't just be randomly FaceTiming. There should be some rules behind this. <laughs> when when we FaceTime with, um, I don't think she listens to the podcast, so we're good. When we FaceTime with um, Mike's parents, his, his mom always answers, and it's like her forehead. Like, I don't yep. understand why she's holding her phone so close to her face. Uh, it, always, it always gets a really great That's my dad, it. 100%. <laughs> the fact that my dad in his 70s is FaceTiming, I think, is amazing. But, yeah, yeah. all I see is a shiny forehead. <laughs> when we FaceTime with my parents, um, they would scream at the computer. I'm like, guys, I can't hear you. <laughs> it has a speaker. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, great. Well, it's been so amazing to have you on this show and getting 
um, just your perspective on everything. But I will ask you my last favorite question before we say goodbye. Um, so what is your definition of happiness? So I was thinking about this question, and truthfully, the definition of happiness to me is really challenging to put into words, because to me, it's more of a feeling. It's, it's a cross between excitement and ease mixed with a little bit of joy and comfort. Um, and so I, I, I guess I did just put it into words, but, yeah. and it can happen at any time. It can be having an afternoon conversation and a tea with a friend that just lights you up. It can happen when you're sitting on the top of a mountain watching a sunset, you know, or like getting like laughing so hard I'm in the middle of the night just over something stupid, you know, and whatever gives you that feeling, you know, happiness to me is so much more of a feeling and, and it's hard for me to put it into words. But when you feel it, you feel it. And if you could bottle that up and take it with you, um, that would be amazing. But it's more of a feeling than a, a defi defining, mm -hmm. you know, so to, to script it into words. I think you did a really great job of defining it. So um, <laughs> I love your answer. Um, I haven't I haven't been lit up by an answer before because now I want to go watch a sunset on a mountain and have tea in a backyard. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much for coming on the show. How can um, the listeners find you? They can find me on Instagram at Yaworski underscore wellness and on my free Facebook group, Healthy Women, Healthy Weight, where I spend a lot of my time on both platforms helping to inspire women to regain control of their health in a way that makes sense for their life without the overwhelm. My website is yaworskiwellness.com and I also have a business Facebook page of Yaworski Wellness as well. And Yaworski is spelled Y-A-W-O-R-S-K-Y. Yes. And if you have trouble saying it, think of you water ski. Have you downloaded the Work-Life Harmony worksheet yet? In this free guide, I walk you through how to optimize five key areas of your life so that you can start designing your own work-life harmony. So from nutrition to supplements, sleep, stress management, and reducing your toxic load, I share tips and tricks that get you thinking on how you can optimize your life currently. So I ask you simple questions that just get you to rethink different aspects of your life. I walk you through a prioritization exercise so you can figure out which area of your life you actually want to maybe overhaul or tackle or just make small changes in first. So you can download that over at bit.ly forward slash work life harmony worksheet, all one word, bit.ly forward slash work life harmony worksheet. Thank you for listening to the Alpha Female Podcast. Be sure and visit robinbaldwin.com, that's Robin with a Y, B-A-L-D-W-I-N, for access to show notes and other amazing blogs. If you loved this episode of the Alpha Female Podcast, be sure to head on over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and review so more amazing Alpha Females are able to find this content. It's so very much appreciated that you take this small effort to help this show succeed. 